We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I feel bad that I'm the only one not wearing it. Oh, it's recording. It's a True Faith podcast. I'm your host, Fit Nice, Mickey Collin. I'm joined on the line by Adam and special guest Kyle. Hello, lads. You all right? How's things going? Uh, well, you know, it could be better. Um, Terrible. Newcastle so. <laughs> yeah. United 1, Leeds United 2. Um, in the most recent of the nightmare run that Newcastle United are on under current manager Steve Bruce, we've scored a goal. So I thought, you know, we'll, we'll start the podcast with the positives, I think. Because for the first time since we played Leeds last, there actually are some positives to take from this game. Now, they all fall in, a, in, in pretty much a 20 to 25 minute window towards the end of the game, but there are positives. And, you know, we, we'll give some credit where we think that it's due here and and, and, and give some give some positives where there were some. So I thought the last 25 minutes of the game, Newcastle played much better, much, much better. We had a lot more control, uh, a lot more of the ball. Obviously, I think I saw a stat for 10 minutes of that game, we had 75% possession, which is like unheard of for this Newcastle team or, or any Newcastle team over the last, you know, 15 years or something. Um, uh, interestingly enough, it's... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to stop being negative. So I'm, I'm going to stay positive for now. There's many negatives to come on to. But Kyle, I'll get your thoughts first. The last 25 minutes of the game, we scored a goal. Yeah, it, um, it was it was it was a strange feeling. I don't know about you and everybody listening, but I didn't know how to celebrate when it actually happened because it's been that long since we last scored a goal, and it's the first goal we've scored in open play since since we last played Leeds, as you mentioned. But it's just it's so frustrating because the amount of games where we've been limited in press conferences and limited on the field, where we're playing five at the back and and free-holding midfielders against Sheffield United and, and all that the past 10 games alone. And they're going to play 4-4-2 in this last 25 minutes and play, outplayed one of the better teams in the league, footballing-wise, Leeds. So it just it, like, it, occurred, it occurred, occurs to me that why why wait so long to do it? Is it is it because your job's on the line, you've got nothing to lose? Like, like For me, I, I just don't understand the reasoning um, why you would change it other than me or oh, me jobs on the line. Do you know what I mean? Adam, come on, be positive. Give us some positives. That was a really, really, really nice goal. It was excellent. Like if any other team had scored that, you'd be thinking, fantastic. Um, you know, we saw a lot more proactivity from attacking midfielders, particularly Shelby. His attacking performance today was, was much better. Um, 
again, I'm going to caveat all of these positives at the end with a big fat negative. So just <laughs> <laughs> hold on your hats for that one. Um, we, we, we seem to be a lot more proactive again. We did a little bit of pressing I, I, again, not enough and not coherently enough and not consistent enough um, and not simultaneously enough to call it an actual strategy that has been implemented. I think it was more of a case of players using the initiative. Um, but what happens is when you have a an individual going for pressing, it only works if you've got everyone doing it. So all you've got is just individual moments of uh, somebody over over committing themselves in an attacking position and then getting passed around and then nobody else is actually doing it. So that doesn't, but there was a bit more attacking impetus and that goal was, it was delicious. It was a lovely goal. Um, would have been uh, a little bit more satisfying if, um, if the keeper hadn't got such a big hand on it. Um, but you know, <laughs> beggars can't be choosers. We will we'll absolutely take that. It was, it was a wonderfully worked goal. However, you know, to, to 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 then fall behind so soon after that, I think probably killed killed that momentum completely. It did, and we're gonna come we're gonna come out of that because we're gonna. There's a lot more negatives to talk about than positives. Um, but I, as you say, I thought the goal was was excellent. It was it was it came about from team festing as well, which we haven't seen much of. Um, it was a great tackle by Hayden, fantastic tackle by Hayden, and then Shelby getting a pass actually forward into the right area quick enough. And then great uh, one in uh, in Almiron by by Wilson, well weighted pass. And obviously, as Adam says, it, the keeper getting a hand on it isn't satis- isn't as satisfying. But I'll take a goal off it for an arse cheek at the minute. The way we're <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> like, we are terrible in attack. So just to take a nice goal is is enough for po- it's a positive, but obviously not enough for positive to say. Well, Bruce should stay in his job because I think I think all in the grains and saying he cannot stay here, but stay at the club much longer, man. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We're, um, we're, we're going to come out of that. Um, two interesting things about the goal, though, and two two things that we'll have to talk about now is, number one, Isaac Hayden makes a brilliant tackle to to set us up for that goal. But he makes a brilliant tackle in, in the centre of the park, in centre of the midfield, where he, where he probably shouldn't have been because he was supposed to be right back. And he's just taking it upon himself to get himself into that position. And then it, it, he's, he's created a chance by harrying and, and tackling. Well, like, put him in centre mid. Put him in centre midfield. He's our best central midfielder. He's proven he's our best central midfielder by creating a goal by playing in central midfield when he's supposed to be at right back. And like it just it just staggers it, it staggers me, baffles me that we that we we played him at right back today. And second, the second, go on, Adam. Sorry, sorry. I was just going to say like it's when we have so many injuries in central defence. Like I mean. Even forget all of the other reasons you, you shouldn't be playing five at the back tonight. Why are you not making it easier for yourself as a manager like to play four at the back so we're not left with a mid, our best defensive midfielder playing out of position in a secondary position when we have other... Like playing right back when we've got two right backs on the bench. It, 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 doesn't, it defies logic. Bruce, and I'll keep going back to his quotes, I'll keep going back to things he said, Bruce keeps telling us the way he wants to play is four at the back, a couple up top. So why is he com- completely persisting with the five at the back, even knowing how few games we are successful in with five at the back? Um, Alex uh, dug out those stats uh, in the last sort of couple of weeks, and they're, they're, they're damning. They are damning. I think it's what is it, a couple of wins in 25 now or something yeah, with five at the big. It's just, yeah. it, that's just not good enough. It's unacceptable. So why is it? You know, at home to a promoted side who haven't been playing their best 
why are we not taking that game to them in the first? Why does it take for us to be, you know, a goal down for us to get some impetus and to play completely differently in that in that second half? Um, why does it take that? It's not enough, and it's you know the players. Yes, this players showed a bit more fight tonight, but ultimately, for all that brilliant attacking player that we had, you know, the, do you know what it is, Mickey? That that, that that little spell of attacking play, which was really good, but it, and we were all kind of like, whoa, we haven't played this. You know, like, it's the bare minimum I would expect yeah. of any Newcastle United side lining up at St James's Park against anybody, and it, particularly at a bottom half of the table side who's just been promoted as well, who are on a poor run of games. Why are we not taking that game to them immediately? But again, lining up with five at the back, you're almost conceding the game before it's kicked off. It's just it, it's so defeatist. Where's this fighting spirit that that Bruce keeps promising us, and that he's he's confident that we can turn it around? Not if we're sitting deep. Not if we're sitting deep. How are we going to counterattack? It, it, it's it, and again, not playing with actual wingers. You know, our width was coming from our our wing backs, which, as we know usually just get pegged back to a back five a flat back five anyway so where's the dynamism on the wings where is the account where's the counter-attack going to be happening and yeah we saw a lot more impetus in that second half but ultimately it produced one big chance which was the goal that we scored and nothing else five shots on target tonight two big chances i would say because lewis lewis should have scored statistically Certainly. speaking via opter it's one big chance it, that's <laughs> just that's just how I I don't make the metrics of people. That's, uh, that's, that's just why I pay no so. attention to these stats. I've just yes. Um, it, uh, the, the other interesting thing about the goal is Almiron buzzing in and around the striker has has directly you know he scored by playing in the position that he naturally plays in instead of like the other ten, including like central defensive midfield and left back basically that he's that he's played so far this season. Alex, we're just talking Alex there, and he made a, a really good point, which which we'll address now, although it, it, it should have came in the negative part of the show, which we've kind of already covered by mistake, obviously, because of how terrible everything is at Newcastle. But um we you know, I, I don't think that any of those things, any of the positives that have come in that game have, have come from the manager. I don't and that that might be harsh to say, but I genuinely don't think that he is told them to do any of the things that have gone well he may well have told us to go for, to go forward at the back which which is a positive change however it's come with a caveat that we've played our best something with field right back which is mental so you kind of give him even that much credit for that and then the other things that have gone well the kind of interchange between lascelles shaw and and hendrick and hendrick dropping in to allow them to carry the ball a bit was really really effective no chance no chance at all has that come from steve bruce not not a sniff in hell has that come from steve bruce anyway Let's let's rewind because that's the and that's the positives. You know we haven't won, we have scored, we haven't got any points. It's another miserable result for Newcastle. No one's going to look back at this in six weeks' time and think, "Well, we played well for twenty-five minutes against Leeds." No one's going to care. The real, the real outcome of this game is another dismal defeat. And I want to flash this right back to when the lineup was revealed and what I would have described had it not changed significantly, which it did. In fairness, as as, as effectively a suicide note in, in an absolutely crucial game for Steve Bruce. He started five at the back again and played Isaac Hayden at centre back again. Started John Joe Shelby and Hendrick. Jeff Hendrick, what, 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 what are we it? not seeing in training? <laughs> Honestly, Jeff Hendrick, man. Um, like I remember Jack Colbert getting a lot of stick off Newcastle fans in his last championship season 
Colbeck in that season in the championship was a hell of a lot better than Jeff Hendrick is now. I don't know what Steve that's, Bruce That's a big call because I despise Colbeck. Honestly, yeah, you... like, yeah. in two games, mate, I think he's been mentioned by the commentator a handful of two, three times. He's absolutely dire. He's he's the reincarnation of the invisible man. He's awful, man. He's terrible in midfield. And I can see why now Burnley didn't fight to keep him. Do you know what I mean? He's dire. Pure and utter dire. Um, and Shelby in the midfield as well. I just don't don't think he, he offers anything defensively. Like when I seen Leeds' midfield, especially from the start, Rafinha's in the middle, Kelvin Phillips, um I'm trying to remember who Harrison, all that energy in the midfield, and you've got Shelby who looks like he smokes 40 a day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Looks, he just looks like a card horse defensively. Yeah, he can pick out that pass here and there, but Shelby d- defensively, position-wise, is atrocious. And I was thinking we lack serious amount of energy. And I think Matty would have been okay today, energy-wise, because he can get himself about and get a foot in and stuff. And I think Hayden and Matty would have been great to deal with this Leeds um, midfield today. But Bruce obviously sees... I don't know what Bruce sees, but he obviously sees, sees differently to us. Well, I think it's more about his great creative input, which... Granted, doesn't always show, show up, doesn't always turn up, and 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 that's his, his inconsistency is one of his bigger problems, isn't it? It's we we all know he has the talent to unlock, it just doesn't come around that often. And I've you know I've defended him in the past. I think his attacking output was very good today, or much better than we've seen in you know maybe under Bruce. Yeah. But you're right when you play him, there's an element that he's a luxury player, and someone's going to have to work a little bit harder. To, to offset him being in the side. Now, Hendrick is not that player. Hayden is that player. Matty Longstaff is probably that player as well. But nobody else, I don't think, can c- quite have the ability to sort of pick up. Because, you know, when you're in a, a game, and we're, we're getting, we are getting into the realm of must-win games here. This was, yeah. I, I'd, I'd argue this was a must-win game. And, was. We, and, we've, and we've lost it again. It's at home, and we, we, we need to be doing just a lot better and we haven't seen it so you could i can half understand bruce kind of going for it and being a bit, little bit more reckless because we've been so conservative and that hasn't worked at all the fact that he's maybe put him on knowing that he's a luxury player knowing that he doesn't have that defensive solidity that you will get from other midfielders but maybe he felt that we needed more in the final third which you absolutely do but great it, it wasn't good enough <laughs> and and we're at the point now where we've do we we need to kind of we need to stop applauding Steve Bruce for twenty minutes of reasonable attack and play? Like it's about low, mate. Like yeah. you'll see twenty minutes and go, oh look at that, and it's like Bruce will cling on to that and be like encouraged because he was encouraged off for crossing the ball a couple of times in the last game. Do you know what I mean? Anything is something to Steve Bruce, and it's like, and do you know what I mean? It. That was it. I was spent when when the when that attacking play was happening. All I could think of was what Bruce was going to be saying after the match. That was encouraging. Well, you can you can see he was he was almost going to pat himself on the back for seeing the evidence that well we can string a, a couple of passes in the final third. We can get a couple of shots on target. We can trouble them and threaten them. When ultimately that this is bare minimum stuff, and it still wasn't good enough. It still wasn't good enough against a newly promoted side. It, if you can't win these kind of games, even when we do play like that. Shot. We already know his, you know, his, his, his numbers up. That's it. You, that it's finished. Surely it's finished. Yeah, but it should have been finished before tonight. But um, yeah, it is. It is ultimately. There's plenty more to 
to beat him with as well from tonight's performance. I, I when I saw the lineup, I couldn't quite get my head around what it was going to be, but it was you know it became clear it was going to be five at the back. There was talk from the usual people that get an insight into what the manager's planning that that it was going to be five at the back. And then you think how how is the rest of the team going to line up here? Because we had a we had three in midfield at the weekend, which didn't work, and then we played the same three again, which is mental. But there you go. And then you've got um, Ryan Fraser and and a striker, Callum Wilson. Like, where do you think Fraser's going to play when you look at that? And I, I genuinely didn't have a clue. I wondered whether maybe Almiron was going to be wide and it was going to be two in the middle. That didn't turn out to be the case. It was it was Ryan Fraser who's you know barely kicked a ball in a year, out and out winger, like definite winger, wide winger, playing off the striker. And you just think like, what, like what, where where is that? come from like wh- whose idea is that and there's nobody say there's nobody say when when the when they're planning the team well, you, you have to presume that he doesn't just pick the team on his own at home he does it with his coaching staff in the training ground yeah with plenty of them now I, a committee of steves <laughs> none of them say to him though like ryan fraser's not a shot like not a shadow striker he's not a false 10 can I get that in the camera? False ten doesn't exist. Steve. But, but this is what 10. he did. This is what he did with Sam Axelman. He played him through this Sam Axelman out and out winger. Like he's an he's a he's an inside winger, left hand side, cuts in. Like that's what he does. It's bread and butter. He's done it probably since he was about seven or eight years old. Now he played him centrally, and guess what? He played terribly because he was played out of position and didn't really know positionally that that. Again, it's not just about where you plonk him on the pitch and what he can't do on the wing because he's not there. When you play centrally from playing on your wing for all your... Like, the movement that you have to make is so different that, he, you know, does he, have, he doesn't have that experience. Likewise with Fraser, it's a similar situation. Why do we have so many decent wingers at this club, yet we don't play with wingers? As yeah, I said before, we play with wing backs, which we, do, we know will rarely get forward. We know this. This is, <laughs> this is, this is indisputable. We know that we, they won't get forward, so it becomes a flat-back five. So, therefore, you have no width, even when you want width. And, yeah, I, th- I thought Murphy did all right, getting getting down that right-hand side. But, yes, he's a right ba- He's not a right-back. And you could argue that he, he didn't follow he didn't follow Harrison for, for the second goal. He didn't follow him. And, he, and, he's, and he's, he's not a defender. But then, yeah, you could blame Murphy. We could, we could tie him up, string him up and all that. But it's... When players are being asked to play out of position, then the manager does that knowing that they're not competent and natural in that position and therefore has to take responsibility for any shortcomings of playing a player out of position when there are two natural um, right-backs available to him on his bench. Even when we have got one taken away from us from a visa fuck-up. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he even he had two on the bench. Yeah, we're played, we, we, we've played tonight, Hayden and Murphy at right back. Like, what, what is he doing? Yeah. What is he doing? It's baffling. It's all It's all absolutely baffling. Um, let's get in the game, lads. The first 15 minutes, as expected, were, were appalling, abysmal. My first note that I've written down in my notes for this is, is just where is Jeff Hendrick? Because I genuinely did not see him on the screen at all for the first 15 minutes. We struggled to make a single pass, not even a string of passes. Like we didn't make a pass. Like when we got the ball, it was just getting lumped forward. Not even a Wilson, just kicked. It was it was 
dreadful, worse than I I'm expected. Nine passes in fifteen minutes. I'm sure a little graphic came up after fifteen twenty minutes, and it was nine passes. Like nine. I was, count, I was counting up like nine passes in fifteen minutes, and Leeds had forty nine. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it, it's mental, man. The first 15 minutes, it was just the same old, same old. And the worst thing is, even by Bruce's standards, you think at the start of every game, you think it can't get any worse. And then, lo and behold, it gets worse. Do you know what I mean? The first 15 minutes, the players didn't look too bothered. The manager didn't look like he had any ideas. I mean, the right-back situation you mentioned before just shows how much of a clue he actually does have. And it's just like... It's not going to. It's not going to drastically improve to a point where he's going to turn it round. It's like it's it's a lost cause at this point with him. It absolutely is a lost cause, and you know the first fifteen minutes summed up. I thought summed up the the entire tenure of Steve Bruce at Newcastle United. It was a, a, atrocious and abysmal. And well, Adam, well, actually, sorry to butt in, but actually there were there were in hindsight there was a lot of injuries in that opening fifteen minutes, wasn't there? I think in the first eleven minutes, three, three players had gone down. But then you, you, again, what you start to see is like. Again, more injuries, Newcastle injuries. Like it's 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 more muscular, more muscular injuries. Like I, I genuinely thought Chair was going to have to come off. Like I, I, again, that was a more of an awkward. Right. It wasn't a muscular one per se. The awkward one with the shoulder, recurring injury, perhaps. I'm, I'm surprised he kind of recovered from that because he didn't look he didn't look comfortable whatsoever. But I just feel like you know we've had a couple of players go down and like it's going to. Everything's going to come to a head. We're going to we're going to lose players in, in training any minute now. You can just feel it, you know, from the fallout from a you know a, a busy Christmas winter schedule. Now you've got, you know, now we're going to feel the effects when they've been pushing and they pushed a lot harder tonight, but they still probably weren't sweating as much as they probably should. But even so, we we we, we struggle with the conditioning. And I after after a game like tonight, I just. I just think more injuries are coming around the corner. I don't know how anyone else feels. I completely agree, Adam. And um, you, you highlighted something slightly earlier that was that was crucial for, for both goals. But the first goal we'll deal with first. Um, Leeds had so much space, so much time, and 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 so many additional players in wide positions every single time they wanted it. And that's a byproduct of first of all not playing any wingers, so that the fullbacks haven't got any support, and then playing Jamal Lewis who. Let's not beat around the bush here. He, he's massively struggling at Newcastle and at left back, and then Murphy at right back, but maybe not at right back because there was at some point in the first half we definitely changed formation to four four two, but I don't know when. I just know that it definitely did happen. So maybe Murphy wasn't playing at right back when he lost the ball, but he lost the ball just outside our our box. They've got three versus two. We've, we've kind of done the initial defending all right, and then just decided not to mark anyone and they've cut it back and just for the easiest goal in the world, Kyle. I just I just wonder what your thoughts were on, on how, how poor a goal that was to concede. Well, there was eight players in our box when uh, the when the goal was, when when I think, who was it that scored? Um, Rafinha. When Rafinha yeah. hit the ball, there was eight play, eight Newcastle players in the box. It's very similar to the Triore goal against Villa. Uh, when the, there was all, all the squad was in, in our box. I've seen a picture of it from, uh, from Twitter earlier today. It's just... And there were several players open as well, so it's just continuous mistakes. It's just lack of lack of structure. Like you can tr- track back, run forward, do the basics as Bruce says, but if you've got no structure and no coaching or anything like that, it's going to do no good. And time and time again, they're getting back, and players are still managing to find space. I'll rack off a few now. Tielemon uh, against Leicester, the first uh, Madison goal against Leicester. Um, 
Sheffield United where they got the penalty space in the box again. The both Villa goals, uh, both goals tonight. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you can have your pick and choose from from the night from the twenty one goals we've conceded in the last ten games, lads. It's it's getting beyond a joke, and the structure is just falling apart. Anything that Rafa had tactically in that team is just gone now completely. It would be quicker to list the goals that we haven't conceded in that fashion. <laughs> it's a lack of nows, isn't it? You know, the, the the players that are chasing back are like, run. all of them have, have ran past a lot of Leeds players. It's which a lot is, of ball watching, isn't it? It's ball yeah, watching. Nobody, is, nobody, is, nobody looks out for the cutback, the cutback really, runs. Yeah. yeah, which is just really stupid. Like Almiron was was at fault for that, although you know he's he's worked hard to get back, and you have to give some credit for that. But this is Premier League football, and that that's not enough. You have to be smart. You have to get in the way of players. You have to stop the shot. You have to stop the pass. And and we just didn't do it, and we, we never looked like doing it. And it's another one of these things I mentioned on the podcast the other day on the preview. Um, I don't think the manager notices that it's happening. The same with same with Shelby not tracking his man, and he didn't actually. I didn't see him do it tonight, and, and I would have seen him because I watched for it because I can't stand him. Um, I don't think he did it tonight, but I, I don't think the manager notices these little things that are like crucial in in the in the performance and such a disappointing thing to happen over and over and over again. Conceding the same goal and like you're never going to win games in the Premier League if you. You're giving away easy goals like that, and you know Leeds have worked it well, and it's a good strike in the bottom corner. The keeper cannot save it, but we didn't have to concede that goal if we'd just been a little bit smarter. Even after Murphy losing the ball just outside our box with only two men behind him, which also is chopping. I, th- I think I think simple as that that we we weren't prepared to match their energy levels. We knew what we knew what was coming. It's it's well documented. Everyone talks about it every week. It's no secret their energy levels yet. Again, he's gone for he's gone for a very, a, 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 as stated by many many people, even before the game, a very immobile centre midfield pairing, and against one of the st- most mobile centre midfields in the league. Exactly, and obviously we talked about the fact that they maybe pressed a couple of times, but not really. Didn't it's only pressing if you do it as a unit. It's as I said before, it's just overcommitting individually. If if you if nobody else is doing it, and. So there's, there can be no excuse to, like you say, what 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 did we expect? Like, of course they're going to over, of course they're going to overload, of course they're going to target our, our, our wings because that's what they did last time. Of course that when they go on the counter attack, they overcommit. Well, not sorry, they're not overcommit bodies. They commit bodies because often there's a successful end, you know, a successful result at the end of a move. We saw that with that, you know, the first counter attacking goal in the in the five two. Um, you know whether we're just queuing up, and I think it was the the, the left back uh, slotted it in. But again, when they broke in those positions, there was a will, there was a desire for all of them to get in there, be the one who has the strike because everyone wants to score, everyone wants to be the one to get up there. And they're just there was a bit of fight from us, but we we did not show anything close to that level of desire and intensity that is required at the Premier League, not least against a team like Leeds. Yeah, and Kyle, it's it just came as no surprise that we started the game terribly and we conceded early on. But at at one nil the leads, did you think there was any chance at all that Newcastle were going to get anything from the game? 
Newcastle surprised is actually the score of goal, mate. Because usually it's just a rea- it's just a it's just a very re- little reaction type thing from Newcastle. And for the end, for the rest of the first half, it was literally the case. Leeds could have been two or three up quite easily. I mean, there was a chance I felt uh, Jack Harrison at the back post. He had umpteen amount of space because Murphy didn't mark him. Um, and he mishits it. There was a, and there was a chance on the other side where they where they hit the post and they didn't pass it through to Bamford on a couple of different occasions. So there could have been three 0 up if the worst clinicals were in the last game. So Bruce kind of right. He's looking to get to just half time one 0 down. But no, it just didn't. It, it it surprises more that we responded and tried to go four four two and make something of it, mate. To be honest, because usually he just. Keeps sitting back and keep keeps hoping that they'll make enough of a mistake so we can run in and and catch them on the break. Which I mean was I think I've listened uh, from a previous podcast to this uh, that I've listened to. I think the Premier League stats have got well down as one counter attacking goal this season. Yeah, we're correct. Meant, yeah. we're meant, meant to be a counter attacking team. <laughs> it, it's just it it it's it blows me mind, mate, with with Steve Bruce and how how unable to, how. He's unable to be proactive as a manager. He'll sit in a press conference and say, let's hope we can do this. Let's hope we can do that. They're a great side. What about us? You know, I remember Bobby Robson would say they're a good side, but so are we. We're going to give it, we're going to give it a go. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And it's like, there's just how are fans, staff, players, anyone meant to buy into what he's trying to say. If in a press conference, he looks like he's already lost games and, and then the way he sets up teams, his demeanour is just defeat or do not lose. It's not win. And that's the problem. And you can say that from players when we'll pass nine times in 15 minutes and it takes where I think it's the first time in 10, 10 games I've seen we'll be able to pass the ball coherently, uh, even to a basic level. Do you know what I mean? And it's like we did that from pressure and we haven't been pressuring teams. Ironically, barring the Liverpool game where we looked to pressure <laughs> looked to pressure the opposition. But other than that, we usually just sit off and sit off. And even then, as Adam says before, it's not like a coherent press. It's just like a free man press and then there's 20, 30 yards. And it's just like it's so unstructured and lack of lack of detail and this is where it annoys me because people constantly compare Rafa and Bruce off instead of pointing out the similarities I think they couldn't be farther apart because you look at Rafa and his attention ideally pull you up on the smallest thing whereas you mentioned before there's no there's just he doesn't pick up on the little things Bruce the only similarity is they played similar formations and I think Bruce only picked that up because he, he hides behind this myth that the players are comfortable with five at the back, so he plays that anyway because he's got no idea how to have an identity on this team. And that, that lies the problem. We're sitting at 18 months. He doesn't know his best team. He doesn't know his best formation. And he doesn't know what he wants to do with the team. So like, we're, it's going to be podcast on podcast of trying to identify what it's going to what what he's trying to do and in his whole demeanor until that changes until he either goes or he changes his entire demeanor of wanting to actually succeed instead of trying not to lose we're going to be in the same boat every week lads yeah totally agree really good points kyle and and, and something you said there about you know this defeatist attitude that bruce exudes and you know what must his players be thinking and you know the games have been dire so, and, and you know that that's just going to be frustrating. It's not exciting even for the players. They can't. Get, there's nothing to get behind there. And maybe that's what points to a lack of intensity and energy. To, to, to you know, in, in games like tonight when we needed the energy, when Bruce has a week of saying 
just talking absolute garbage in, in, in press conferences that just is disrespectful to other managers, is disrespectful to the fans, is disrespectful to his own players. He, he's thrown everyone under a bus except himself. And when they see that, they're not going to, are they really going to fight for him? Are they going to, are they going to strain every sinew for that man? Subconsciously, they won't be like in their in their mind in their in 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 the foreground of their mind. They're probably you know heads in the game. This is what I need to do. But subconsciously, they've stopped respecting him months ago. They don't trust him, and they they they, they don't recognize his. They don't identify his ability because he has none. They know that he's making them worse. And in a you know, is there just this weird subconscious thing that you know? play shit for a few more games, lads, and you'll be gone and you'll be free of it and hopefully be in a better position. Because I know that a lot of fans are thinking that way now. I, I don't. I never want us to lose, but I understand 100% people who are really gunning for us to lose right now because they just want him shot. That's how desperate things are. And, and let's face it, we are in a desperate situation. You look at the table now. We're two games ahead of Fulham. If they win their two games in hand, they might not, but if they win their two games in hand, they're one point behind us from Fulham and this was a team that is that is in the relegation zone right now and you think if Brighton win their their their, their extra game they're ahead of us now so we're kind of more in this relegation battle than even some of the teams <laughs> that you would that you would suspect were completely gone a, a, a few weeks ago it's possible they'll win them two games as well mate i'm just getting it up on me on my phone now they've got Brighton and West Brom next two games Fulham and with the way they've been playing against Man U, they looked impressive against Man U and Chelsea. Um, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if they picked up four, if not six points against either side. Uh, well, against both sides, sorry. Do you know what I mean? It's we're, we're starting to run out with games now. We need to start getting sorted, but it's just not looking likely under Bruce. I mean, half an hour worth of football in 10 games? Come on. It's a, it's a, it's a dead horse, mate, honestly. Too yeah. little, too late. Yeah, yeah that's exactly yeah. what I was saying. Agreed. The other two things to pick up on from the first half um, that I noticed, <clears throat> uh, we've already highlighted that Murphy was struggling a bit at right back, and you know, credit, credit where it's due, we did change that. But even even starting him at right back was just absolutely nuts because he had a an absolute nightmare time against Leeds less like le just over a month ago. But like again, it's another thing where there just can't have been that much thought gone into it because surely someone has said. Think back to the 12th of December or whatever it was, but not even that long ago, I don't think. And and Murphy was tortured relentlessly. They targeted him and and they started to do it again. And it was it was obvious. Just don't don't put him in that position because there's no need. The second thing is um what was I gonna say? Second thing about the first about the first half and the transition in the second half, and, and what we mentioned at the start about it not really being down to the manager, how things got better is it didn't get better straight away. You know, if if it was down to the manager. You come out in the second half and you look a better side and you look more organized and you look different. I don't think that was the case. For the first five, ten minutes of the second half, we looked terrible. And they kept getting in behind over and over and over again. And it got to a point, I've written in my notes here, the, what, the commentator, not McManaman, who was just horrific. Like I'd rather I'd rather listen to just one commentator having, having a conversation, but only hearing one side of it, just to not hear McManaman's voice is that bad. Like, horrendous. Um Where's the red button when you need one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said um, that get get fans on back. We could we could go on. Um, he said, "This is what Newcastle fans want to see." And I just thought at the time, like, no, it's not. Like, we were doing all right going forward, but every time Leeds got the ball, 
it was pinging in behind our fullbacks and they were breaking on goal and having chances. I don't want to see that. That's just nuts. It's a terrible way to approach a game. I, rem- I remember the commentator saying something like, this is this is the attacking player that Newcastle fans are crying out for. Wrong, mate. I just want to see a goal. goal. I, just want, I just want a corner, man. Like, it's, 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 it's so far beyond the luxury of being able to select which style of play I'd like to see. I just want to see it. I just want to see us try and score. I want to see us, I want to see our players try in a, in a coherent way directed by our, our gracious leader, uh, Steve Bruce. Like, I just, I want to see something that resembles competitive sport. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly it. You know, the, the, in the first 10 minutes of the second half, they had another chance where they cut it back to a man that was completely unmarked. And we've, we've got someone in the way and it's ended up going in off his hand. I thought that was a pen, by the way. I thought that, that should have been a pen at Leeds. And we get away with one there, I think. On another day anyway, he just scores. Rather than, rather than uh, I think it was Hayden, possibly the Sals, gets a, gets a little foot on it and, and kind of disrupts the shot. But it just highlighted again that like we, we weren't playing well and there was this absolute gulf on the pitch between our, our defence and attack, which again points to the fact that you need more legs in central midfield. But most importantly, I think it shows that it wasn't it wasn't really down to the manager that, that things got better. And I think it was I think it was down to the players. First one I wanted to look at individually, Kyle, I'll, I'll come to you on this, is, is Almiron, who I thought in the second half looked like the player we thought would signed. Yeah. So his recent form. It, the, the thing is, though, mate, he, keep, the, he keeps getting played in the wrong position. And when you put a player in the right position that we signed him for, Lo and behold, he scores a goal. Do you know what I mean? And not only that, he's work great. He was, he does what he doing what he does very well. I think, and is very underrated. He gets interceptions. He nicks, he nicks the ball from people and gets we further up the field because we're always so deep. And Miggy getting the ball back's really been one of our only outlets at, at going forward in the last ten games. And like, I feel so sorry for him because he works so damn hard. But I think he's expected to carry the um, movement wise in particular in the middle. When Shelby and Hendrick aren't moving, he's expected to cover that ground. And I think it's yeah. really unfair on him, to be honest, concerning he's playing out position. Um, and he's expected to do jobs that he really shouldn't be doing. He's meant to create and cause problems and drive forward and stuff. And it's like, I think, like, Miggy did, did brilliant in the second half, in my opinion. Um, the, the goal he took really well. There was a couple of nice, neat little passes in the space that he managed to create. And a couple of nice bits of movement. But I, I feel so sorry for him because it's just... Like you've got the you've got the running kid, and then you've got the two like old people on Zimmer frames behind him in Hendrick and Hendrick and Shelby, and they can barely move, and he's trying to run around to cover everything. And he's I think he's been asked too much from uh, to to cover the the luxury, if you will, of of Shelby and um, and Hendrick. So I completely agree, and and we said earlier in the show, it's no surprise that he's been a considerably more effective player playing in his natural position just off the striker. I did notice in the second half, and again, this might have just been like a fluke of the freeze frame that I looked at the TV because our formation is quite fluid. Um, <laughs> was I'm pretty sure I saw for a moment when Sam Axman came on the pitch, Sam Axman on the left, Miggy Alberon in a in a kind of number ten role, Fraser on the right, and Wilson up top, and it was and it was almost like had we reverted at that point. To kind of like a four-two-three-one, which we had been known to play under Rafa, and it, but it's it's quite telling because like you know this attacking player that we that we can't really identify as a Steve Bruce, but, but you know uh, Pat, 
passage of play simply because the way that we played in that kind of 20 minutes is absolutely nothing like we've seen for the last couple of months. So you, you kind of think like was the only time that we played a, a formation that I think we have the players for and would work and would bring the best out of the likes of Miggy, the likes of Fraser, the likes of Sam Maximan, the likes of Wilson even. And yet, was it fluke? Did it even happen? Or did I just sort of look at the TV at the at, the, at a fluky time when it... <laughs> do you know what I mean? There's no way of knowing. There's absolutely no way of knowing because I don't think the man who who makes those decisions knows either. No, I, I agree. And that was... If you go back, when we go back the summer and think about the transfer window, we we all genuinely did get pretty excited when we thought about that front four in that exact shape, and it literally hasn't ha- hasn't happened for one reason or another. You know, uh, Bruce has, has been pained to say this week that he hasn't had the chance to play Wilson and Fraser in the same team. Will he have? You just have. That's that's a lie. And he, he probably would then go on to say he hasn't had a chance to play the former in the same team, but he has. Almiron and Wilson have been fit every game. Um, so you, you kind of you. You cannot have that, but if only we get to see that more often before the end of the season, things will probably even if even if the manager stays, we'll probably be all right. Um, well, I think we will stay in the league if we play that formation, but but we won't, will we? Like, we won't because we should have played that from the start tonight, and we didn't. We had another another five at the back. Ah, oh, it's just too easy, isn't it? It's too easy to criticise because it's the same. It's the same thing every week. You know, we could just copy and paste a significant section of last week's podcast and just play it and play it now. Like I'm, I'm really glad that we're we're doing this now, and I don't have to watch what he has to say after the, the game because I think it would just infuriate me. I oh, really, I'm going really... to tell you soon. But before before that, I thought I think we better look at um the the influence of of, of Shaw 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 on that game because I thought he was. Sure. He was excellent in the in the second half in particular. But the way the way he uses the ball and he does he does have a little habit of getting caught at times, which is which is dangerous and, and frustrating. But in the second half he didn't. And and it was it was so effective. And contrast that with the first half where there was a definitive moment. I don't know if anyone else noticed it, but where Shelby was really, really annoyed with with Cher for not passing the ball when Shelby had dropped into his usual position, like just outside the box for no reason at all. And Cher just looked at him and just like carried it forward. And I was I was delighted. And it, it reminded me of when when Cher first broke into the team. It was at a time when I was getting really, really frustrated with Shelby always dropping deep. And it affects the entire way the team plays. I'll, I'll go on and on about it all the time. Um and I like I love to see that, but I I pretty sure I heard Shelby call him a bell end. I don't know if anyone else noticed. It's ironic if you did. <laughs> it's a potentially um, slanderous remark there, Mickey. But uh, possibly, looking forward, yeah. <laughs> looking forward to the uh, the feedback on that one. Should have kept that for behind the paywall. Um, but Adam, <laughs> like, I just want to want I wanted to chat with you about about Joe in the second half and how how much of an influence it has on the team. Well, yeah, again, showing a bit more impetus to carry the ball forward and make things happen. You know, he's comfortable on the ball. He likes to stride out. It's, it's it makes a bit more sense for that to happen if we are playing five at the back because it means you've got cover um but again I, 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 yeah <laughs> I, I, I'd, I'd love to say it had that like to, like it, it's 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 not a route to to us playing well necessarily like it didn't have as much of an impact on the game as we like need like again we can pick out it's really difficult doing this because and, and, and it's difficult to pick out individual performances where, oh, well, he was a bit canny for there for 15 minutes and he did that well for, because ultimately 
as a as a team performance the whole thing wasn't good enough and even when it looked like we were we were actually trying a bit more tonight i still didn't think we tried hard enough because as as we mentioned the energy levels earlier to match leaders but even when we were playing the kind of stuff that like you kind of want to see and you sort of back and you kind of get behind we still didn't get that many make that many big chances or get that many shots on target in proportion to how many um you know, chances or opportunities we might have been able to create, we 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 still didn't, and it's maybe because we're not used to it, and we we kind of get nosebleeds when we're in the final third because we, we we're just not there often enough to then know what to do. We, we and and again, when we're playing in different formations with different partnerships, nobody knows what anyone's going to do. Nobody can second guess. You look at all the partnerships in the Premier League, you know. You know, playmakers to strikers. Sit, look, look, look at Madison and Vardy. They've been Kane and Son. I'm making some extreme suggestions of really, really good players with really good partnerships. But they're players who know exactly what the other is going to do. How many players, Newcastle players, could you say have that kind of chemistry? You maybe look at oh, Shelby and Gale from the Championship. That's that's what we that's what you look at. Like we definitely don't have him in field. We definitely don't have him in the attacking third because we're We've had far too many games this season and under Bruce where there hasn't been enough in the final third. So w- w- these partnerships that we're missing, like we, there's just w- where's the where's the telepathy around the side that just p- players know, and that comes with confidence, and that we we don't have any of it. We, we we're completely shot of confidence. We don't know what each other's going to do. We don't know where we're supposed to be playing. So positioning is always going to be a problem. And this constant change. Honestly, he made two changes tonight, didn't he, Steve Bruce? Do you think that he basically just read all the criticism from the last game where he made it um, four changes and then before that eight changes or whatever it was? Do you think he's just like, oh, they're criticising me for making too many changes. I'll just make two this time. Like, I can yeah. honestly see that being the rationale for him only making two changes be just simply because oh, people say that that's wrong. Maybe, maybe we'll try something different. Like, I wouldn't put it past him because he just doesn't have the talent on his own to realise these things and, ident- and identify how to give our great club an, an identity itself. Well, we criticise them for everything, don't we, according to, according to Steve? So, yeah, that, that can be one of them if you want, mate. Um, if you want to give the manager any credit for what's come in the second half, you can. I, I would disagree, but you can. However, ultimately, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't enough and we've still lost and we've conceded Kyle uh, another... You know, it was, a, it was a good goal from a Leeds perspective. If you're a Leeds fan, that is a good goal. But from a Newcastle perspective, it's a bad goal because it's mistakes again in the same positions again. And it, yeah. you know, we, were back, we were back in the game for four minutes. Yeah, the reaction from Leeds was 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 very good, and we weren't anywhere near ready for it. I think we scored that goal, and there was many there was many players who thought we'd just like kind of be on top for the rest of the game from that point on, and they just thought kind of Leeds would capitulate a bit like we do every time we score a goal when on the rare occasion that bloody happens, but. The ball that goes into um, into the lead, into the Leeds player in the box. Who, who was who was the second goal scorer for them? Uh, um, Harrison. Uh, uh, Harrison again. Well, he had an exact. Like I said before, mate, he had a um, he had an ex- a very similar chance in the first half, and he and he spooned it wide. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so lessons weren't learned from the first half. But what alarmed me the most, and what angered me the most, was the lack of reaction. He had time to take the ball down, pick his corner. Even hit it with the outside of his boot, make it look sexy, and bury it in the uh, bury it in the in the bottom corner. And Lascelles kept him on side, very poor from him. 
Um, no right back in anywhere near. But like, like mentioned before, Murphy played against Leeds and Jack Harrison got man of the match and he scored again tonight. So I, I, I literally, I think the right back positions picked out of a hat every week between Croft, Murphy, um, Yedlin and, and Manquillo. And it's like, it's crazy. Has yeah. any of them started two games, three games in a row? Because there's no stability. In that in that position at all, how's any player playing there meant to surmount any confidence at all when they're not getting a run of games in the side? I mean, I wouldn't play Murphy there because his positioning, proven tonight and the last game against Leeds alone, isn't good enough. But if, if you one of them two right backs on the bench, you're thinking, what on earth is going on? Like he, we've got a right midfielder playing in my position, and he's doing that. It's like. And, and it's it's just so baffling to me, lads. It really is. It, and it, it's something, again, something that's been uh, mentioned on this very podcast and uh, maybe numerous times this week is, um, you know, the fact that Bruce doesn't seem gutted when we when we concede. It's almost like he's expecting it as well. I know we're expecting it, but he doesn't seem angry. It's just like, he's kind of like, ah, oh, that's a shame. It's a shame to him. It's, it should be life or death. This should be, this is his job. This is his reputation. This is his... You know, this is his life, and and he doesn't seem good. It's like when he comes out, when he comes out after press, you know, for the post match, and he's he's not visibly shaking and angry. He hasn't given his players a rocket. He hasn't. He's just like, ah, oh, well, you know, we'll just have to. It, it's just, it's really matter of fact. It's blasé, and and it, it's 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 such a nonchalant approach to. It's critical of my life and and our lives. It's so important what happens to this football club. And he he professes to be a fan himself. Yet yeah, I don't see that. I don't see the fire in his belly when we lose or when we get a decision against us. And he's just like he doesn't seem animated. He doesn't seem that he 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 looks like somebody who believes he can't affect anything. And it's just like hit and hope. Oh, I hope, fingers crossed this works. That's the kind of. Um, that, that's what he again. That's what he exudes. That's the there's no conviction in, in anything he does, and it doesn't seem like he's even passionate about the job anymore. Has he ever been passionate? I don't know. Doesn't I, show. I, no, I I I agree with you in the main, but I thought there was a there was a clip of him when Leeds scored their first, and he 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 looked gutted. But he doesn't. He, you're kind of right. He doesn't look angry. It's not like, and I just don't think there's any thought there about what's gone wrong. It's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, man, like. It's that kind of attitude, which isn't good enough. Like that's not what you would get from Rafa. Rafa. Well, look at Bielsa. We don't even need to compare it to Rafa, lads. Look at Bielsa. They were one nil up, and I think one of their players lost the ball, and he went berserk. Um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Orlovsky who handballed after falling over to tackle off Murphy, and he handballed it to fling it away, and he got took off straight away. Do you know yeah. what I mean? The reaction straight away. Like he, he wants the best out of his players, and he demands. There's a certain. I think the word to sum them both up, mate. Well, the that divides them the most is standards. Bielsa has standards. Steve Bruce does not, and it shows. Uh, when Leeds lose the ball, there's a reaction from the staff. Every uh, every player, uh, every player member of staff on that Leeds bench is up and at arms if there's a foul, if there's something. Whereas the three Steves. Are, they're just running through the motions, and if the if a goal goes in, you might see them, might see him rub his face or pick his teeth. But there's no there's no emotion there. It's not like right away, let's go. It's, it's like oh well, it's another goal, isn't it? Oh well, if we roll the sleeves up and do the basics better, we can avoid that next week. It's like there's no there's no like 
there's no mindset to it. It's just like, oh, well, we'll get back to basics because his version of getting better is just doing the basics better. It's not like identifying the problems at hand. The difference is, and again, the caveat is not everyone has the same personality, fiery personality or whatever. But again, you've got to, you need to see something in those situations because we've had this passive arm around the shoulder approach for 18 months, 20 months, whatever. It's not working and it's done. It's finished. But you, you like you say, you look at, you, you, you look at somebody like Bielsa who gets annoyed. That if he'd lost tonight, Bielsa, that would have been a full like week or a couple of weeks' work completely out the window. Rafa did the same. He was furious. Again, this has been mentioned on this podcast. Furious when he, you know, after he lost a game. Whereas Bruce, it's like he's not that furious because he probably didn't put that much hard work into it. He doesn't even put hard work. He doesn't. He doesn't even have the work ethic to make up for his lack of talent. He just doesn't even. Do, he doesn't do that either. Or if he does, it, again, it doesn't show, and, and that's even worse in terms of um, how that reflects his own ability. But yeah, as far as I'm concerned, he's done tonight. Just another rinse and repeat performance. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Kyle. You you, you highlighted an interesting point there as well about the subs. You know, Bielsa's Bielsa's made a reactionary sub to. Newcastle slightly getting back more into the game and also to kind of one individual thing that happened on the pitch. Newcastle are 1-0 down at home to a bottom half side again in the second half and the opposition make the sub first. Like, the in-game management from the staff is poor time after time. time. It's like, oh, well, Bielsa's made a change so I'll make one to make it look like I know what I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of where we're at with him. He He won't be the one to make the first move. Do you know what I mean? Um, and he won't be like, right, I'm going to put more impetus on getting more wing play or getting more forwards on or like showing something because it's just it's just going through the motions. And I think he is a very lazy coach, to be honest, because nothing's changed. We've got no identity. His his reaction to poor performances is bring another five coaches in or, or like, do you know what I mean? There's no... He's not. He's blaming everybody but himself. He even blamed. He even blamed the one person sticking up for him last week. The the board, um, saying, "Oh, we, we, we need more in terms of signings." But you would say in, he, he said at the end of the last transfer window, he was very happy with what we had, and the fans were as well because we we're looking up at the start of the season in regards to where we are now because we brought in a good centre forward. We brought in Ryan Fraser, which I thought was a brilliant bit of business, and an up and coming left back in in Jamal Lewis, but. Uh, and that was at the start of the season. A lot of fans were looking forward to the start of the season, what could be. But he's made a proper utter mess of it through his incompetence because barring we're midfield and we're right back position, I think we've got a top 10 side there under a decent coach with we're, with we're all going in the same direction under a good manager. Like if we had Rafa, if we had Eddie Howe, if we had even a Nigel Piasson, I think one of their managers would get get better with this team. We'd be a hell of a high up the league. I don't think we'd be looking behind, behind we're sh- looking over our shoulder, that's for certain. Totally agree. And I don't think that uh, as a club we can take anything positive out of this. You know, today it's another defeat. It's another defeat against the bottom half side. It's another step towards the relegation zone. The end is nigh for the manager. The time has come. It has to go. It has to be immediate. However, there is like I, I want to finish on a positive. There is one positive that we can take as a fan base out of this, and it's that last twenty-five minutes has just utterly and completely put paid to the ridiculous argument that you're getting getting from the Sky Sports Red Nap faction of pundits who all are managed by the same people that coincidentally 
managed Steve Bruce to say no manager would get any better out of this squad. Well, the squad on its own has got better out of the squad without the manager tonight. They have proven that they are better than what has been fielded for Newcastle for this entire season and for a lot of last season, especially after lockdown. When other than one win, people forget we were, we were a disgrace. Like The team is capable of more and it doesn't even take much to get it. It just takes somebody competent to come in. So I think I was going to leave leave the last word to Steve Bruce and his comments, but I think we'll skip them tonight because it's just it's just going to annoy everyone. Uh, you can read them if you want. I I suggest not doing it. I always feel better if I just ignore Steve after the match. Um, but lads, thanks for your time tonight. Thanks everyone for listening. Kyle, do you want to introduce the the listeners to anyone that hasn't seen the Magpie twenty four seven before we go? Yeah, no bother. Cheers, mate. Um, yeah, it started it started around six months ago. Me and uh, Paul, who who who's, who we run it with, uh, just a just a similar podcast, very much like this one. Give opinions, raw opinions on on the tune. Just genuine fans that want to um get have a platform for fans and stuff. Um, but yeah, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, and Facebook as well, as well as one podcast on uh, anywhere you can catch your catch your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Anchor or Spotify, wherever it may be. The Magpie Twenty Four Seven Podcast, if you just want to check that out as well. Cheers, man. I'll give them a listen. Um, and also, we have the new issue of the fanzine coming out in the next couple of days. It should be, I think, it arrives um, to us on. Thursday or Friday, so get that. If you haven't seen it already, the the, the cover is sensational, like brilliant. It was going to be a like an overlay on this YouTube show, but we couldn't get it to work, um, which would have been a, a highlight. But get that; it's um, available on our website. It's going to be in Central and Eminem News, um, so you can get them there as well. We'll be back this week with uh, the preview on our Patreon channel, and Charlotte is hosting the live YouTube show on Friday. I'm not sure who she's got on for that this week. Um, Always a tough act to follow when George Corgan was on last, but that will be there on Friday. And then we'll have probably another pretty dismal free podcast after the weekend's game as well. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Right. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.